1: And I'm here with my co-host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. We're talking in this segment about how geopolitical events, specifically Russia and China, are impacting clearances for people with ties in those places. Lindy, it's worth noting that clearances with family members in Russia, China, financial interests in either of those countries, that's always been a hard sell, but it's gotten a lot harder in recent years. Obviously, you know, anybody who's been Paying attention to the news and not living under a rock probably has a a pretty good idea as to why that is. But I think that this is something that impacts a fair number of clearance holders, actually, probably more so China than Russia. But do you get a lot of comments or questions on clearance jobs from naturalized U.S. citizens who are concerned about relatives and and other uh, ties that they may have overseas?
0: I mean, we do. And like I say, it does come up, there are just certain countries that are just more likely to have issues. And I think the government has been pretty clear to emphasize, you know, it's not that they're against a people group or have any issues with applicants from those countries. But if you just look at the actions and behavior of the countries of Russia and the country of China, there are just specific risk factors there. So the government is going to be very interested in family members that are still there and how much leverage that would have. And just knowing like the government has an interest in protecting itself. But I think it also has an interest in like protecting individuals and their safety. And I think, you know, it would not be doing itself any favors if it brings somebody on to work in a national security career and then ends up endangering that person's whole family in another country because of that person's role. So I think it's just very much looking at on an individual by individual basis, what those connections are, how tied that person is to the country, their role, you know, in national security, what type of information they're accessing. It's always noting too. It's more likely, I think, we see some of these issues, a much bigger issue at the TS level versus the secret level or a much bigger issue at certain agencies. I think the country of origin issues and the threats that those generate are pretty universal across the cleared workforce, because as we know, how China and Russia work is they will take a the smallest nugget they can possibly get and exploit it and extract everything possible out of it. So if there's a risk there, there's a risk there, and it just really applies across the cleared workforce in a way that's a lot bigger than a lot of the issues we can kind of segment out and say, well, for a TS or within the intel community, that's really tough. I think across the board, these are issues that affect applicants. Every applicant that we, you know that we see with with deep ties into you know one of those sticky countries,
1: yeah. And you know, a couple of points I want that that you raised that I want to just emphasize. You know, one. Being this is not supposed to be a commentary on somebody's loyalty or allegiance to the United States. The pertinent guideline, the pertinent issue here for clearance holders is actually called foreign influence. And the idea being, you know, can this person be influenced, i.e., coerced, forced into doing something against the interests of the United States government as a result of the ties that they have in this foreign country? inherently there, that means that, you know, this is not the concern about a naturalized U.S. citizen from China, for example, becoming a spy just because they don't like the United States. The concern is you have your parents, let's say, for example, who are still living in China. Maybe you have a lot of property and investments that you own there. And the Chinese government comes to you and says, we are going to imprison your parents or we're going to confiscate property or these assets that you have here unless you agree to do what we want. That's the kind of hypothetical scenario that the government is concerned about. And, you know, obviously... There are big differences in whether that may come to fruition based on the identity of the country. So if you have, you know, relatives, assets in, let's say Canada, Australia, I don't think any reasonable person is going to look at that and say, Oh boy, the Canadian government's going to come after them. I mean, that, that's just implausible. China, Russia, Iran, some of our more uh, adversarial countries that we deal with. I mean, it's not that implausible. And so. That's the issue that I think people need to understand. This is not, you know, questioning your patriotism. That being said, it is, as you point out, still a real problem and something that I think, you know, ironically, in, in some regards, reciprocity, um, which we've talked about previously is actually exacerbated because as you point out, you know, hostile foreign governments are willing to take whatever in they can get to access classified information. So, you know, maybe you have somebody who has relatives in China and they're working at, you know, some agency that you would think, well, geez, you know, what's the risk there? You know, we I wrote an article recently about park rangers who national certain park service rangers who occasionally need security clearances. Well, I doubt the Chinese government is going to be, you know, trying to infiltrate the park service. What's the benefit to them? But you know, if that person is cleared and they Go and take their clearance to a, a more sensitive federal agency because of reciprocity. In many cases, they can do that, and so that would be, you know, the potential issue with that. Getting back to kind of the the thrust of what we were getting at here with recent geopolitical events, the question is: How does that play a role in how threats are assessed from foreign countries, and does an increasingly aggressive China, for example, or a, a Russia on the war path? heighten the risk. And I would tell you just from firsthand experience that most of our colleagues on the other side of this in the government say yes, absolutely. And so there has definitely been some concern lately from people who, you know, have gotten a clearance previously. They've been, you know, holding it without issue for years and they've mitigated the concerns about relatives in China or Russia. There's concern by those folks that recent geopolitical events are going to make the government revisit that favorable adjudication and say, well, you passed muster five or 10 years ago, but now we're more concerned. Have you seen anything like that where anybody is kind of expressing some worry about uh, changed circumstances? Or is, is your sense that you know, most of the concern here is from applicants?
0: I think most of the concern I see is definitely on the applicant side. I think most folks, once you get in, I think thoughts that you're going to certainly see potentially lesser issues. It's always interesting with continuous vetting. You know, if there's things that will come up, I think that I, you know, I imagine would kind of flag things for some individuals saying like, hey, what is the government looking at here or looking for or how might they look for or apply foreign influence issues around continuous vetting? Again, I think we're where we're at in whatever we're calling it, trusted workforce 1.25. I'm not seeing a lot of chatter or interest from applicants other than saying like, hey, these are things you already needed to identify for the government, you know, relatives that were overseas, foreign traveler trips that might come up. You know, through continuous vetting, you were already supposed to report that there's nothing new. Again, I primarily see issues coming from the applicant side, and that's why I'd be interested in your take. Are there steps that an individual can take to maybe mitigate some of the concerns about those countries? Do you see something that kind of tips the scales for the applicant that? Has success in this versus the one who just really is going to have a hurdle too high in order to get a clearance?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's a great question. And some of this is kind of counterintuitive. A lot of folks that we encounter who are facing foreign influence cases with their security clearance, their focus is well, you know, what can I do to show that these ties? overseas are you know really not an issue. How can I prove that? And they kind of gloss over or or fail to see the bigger picture, which is that actually one of the the ways that you can do that is by highlighting and and really drilling down on the ties you have here. And so if somebody, you know, let's say has a, a you know grandparent or a you know a couple a few family members in China, but they've lived here for decades Their spouse is a U.S. citizen. They're a U.S. citizen. Their kids are natural born U.S. citizens. They own a home here. They have a, you know, 401k here, or they're, you know, invested in the, you know, thrift savings program. They pay their taxes. They're registered to vote, paying into social security. They're involved in their community. All of those things combined. You start adding up the pieces and it starts to really place the foreign ties into perspective it minimizes them and you can show the government okay well yeah you know i've i've got grandma in china i don't dispute that i don't dispute that i i love her and you know i i talk to her you know a few times a year and see how she's doing none of that's in dispute but you know compare that to all of those things that i just mentioned and it's almost like you know if you imagine the scales of justice and on one side is china and the other side is the united states I use China as an example, but whatever foreign country, the government wants to see that the scales are so overweighted on the side of the United States that in the event, as unlikely as it may be, that the you know the Chinese government or the whatever foreign government and the US government were to come into direct conflict, that you would clearly side with the United States, even if that meant potentially having your relative face horrific consequences or your assets over there be seized. And so, you know, how we do that kind of depends on the individual circumstances of the particular case, but there are some, you know, very common things that we point to and and many of them the examples that I just gave to highlight the depth and breadth of the person's ties in the United States and the extent to which that would outweigh any possibility for coercive action by an adversarial government. You know, I'll give you a great example of how this has recently come into play, uh, particularly with China, since we've been talking a lot about that country, the takeover of Hong Kong and the catastrophic Fallout that that has had for the people of Hong Kong on their individual freedoms and liberties. You know, that's something that has impacted a a fair number of clearance holders. Actually, there's a lot of folks who are living in the United States who have family members in Hong Kong or who have family investments in Hong Kong. We've seen this come up. I would say probably at least a half a dozen times that I can think of within the last. I would say probably year to year and a half alone. And what we have had to advise those folks is your family members and your ties there are now going to be viewed very differently than they were prior to China doing what they did. Prior to that happening, there was some perception and, and probably reality that there was safety. It was unlikely that somebody with relatives living in Hong Kong was going to face the same level of coercive attempts to gain classified information as somebody with relatives in mainland China. That distinction has completely evaporated now. And so we saw this frantic effort for a short time by people who were in that situation to get assets out of Hong Kong, to try to um, you know, get family members out of Hong Kong. It was sad to watch, But it was a great example of, you know, some of the issues that clearance holders can confront when they're not being proactive and thinking about, you know, how they may be able to address these issues. And, you know, obviously, there are circumstances where it's beyond the clearance holders control. Grandma doesn't want to leave China. There's not much you can do about that. But there are things you can do to build up and bolster the ties on the other side of the equation. And sometimes that's what has to happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, but it's like, it's like, I love the example that you gave about the scales. I think that's the, that's the key takeaway from this conversation is like, if you are looking to improve your case or mitigate, you know, the more you could show your allegiance to the United States and different attachments and ties is certainly, certainly the path to take.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, even basic things, just like involvement in your kid's school, community involvement, we, we really try to paint a picture of you know what the person's life is here in the United States and why they would never walk away from all of that to risk you know spying or or acting against US interests. So all that is to say if you are somebody who has a scenario like this that you're confronting, it's not a lost cause. In the vast majority of these cases we can mitigate the concerns, but unfortunately recent geopolitical events with Russia and China are definitely making it harder With those two countries and so it remains to be seen you know over the coming years how things unfold and what happens with folks who maybe have already you know had their clearances favorably adjudicated whether they're going to be looked at a second time with with more scrutiny
0: this is katie keller editor at clearancejobs.com thank you for listening to this episode of clearedcast for more
1: information on career and recruiting advice visit news.clearancejobs.com.